0: love that you pour out through community, through your church. Pray this morning that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So, the word benediction is a very big word, and it has this very simple meaning, and it means to bless, to speak blessing. Blessing to utter blessing, to bring blessing to someone or a group of people. Benediction means to, really, you don't, you don't know? Bless. To bless, to bless. The spoken word, to bless. And this is what the author of Hebrews is now coming to in his letter. He has written about the theology. He has written about how that theology is to to be lived out. He has encouraged them. He has corrected them. He has exhorted them. Now he wants to leave this community with a blessing. And he's going to speak or write his blessing to the church. Because the reality of it is that our words... Our words are powerful. The spoken word has power in it, and it has the power to bless, and it also has the power to curse, and that's real. And the writer here wants to speak or write a blessing over this church. Now, I thought, what if, what if we as a community for the next week or the rest of your life would speak blessing to people that you meet? to people that you see, to some stranger that you come up from or come on uh, like in the store and, and, and you meet, that, that just, just speak a word of blessing because there's, there's power in those words. God spoke creation into existence. Jesus is the word. There's power in words. And so we're going to look at this blessing at the end of Hebrews, and we're actually able to finish the book of Hebrews this morning. Now, we are, not, don't be so excited. We're not gonna look at all five verses because verses 22 to 25 are kind of like this final greeting. Hey, you know, Timmy's coming, and uh, they greetings from Italy, and that type of thing. But in verses 20 and 21, the writer of the letter to the Hebrew church speaks these, these words over them. And though there may be simple, there's a lot of of depth to the blessing that he is giving. So we're just going to get right into it. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So he wants to come right out, and he wants to tell the church, and he does tell the church, exactly what that church, we the church, we possess in Christ. We have peace. We have a God of peace. We have a covenant that's eternal. And we have a a great shepherd over the flock. And the things that have been promised to this church in this letter are the same things that are ours today for our church, for our community, for God's church across the world. And it begins with, now may the God of peace. Peace is in the character and it's the nature of who God is. It's part of him. It's not something that he possesses. It's something that he is. And we have to read this beyond just that word peace because it's not the absence of conflict. It's much deeper than that. This is about, this is about the shalom of God. So the word peace is the word shalom in the Hebrew. And it speaks about being completed. It speaks about our well-being. It speaks about our wholeness. So it's not just the absence of conflict and hardship and brokenness, but but it, it speaks to more than that. It speaks about putting us back together again. This is our God. Our God puts us back together. It's kind of the New Testament version of Jeremiah 29. And a literal translation of Jeremiah 29 would say that God says, I know the plans that I have planned for you, Plans to give you shalom, to give you peace. That's God's promise. It's his covenant promise to his people. See, Israel's taken into captivity uh, by Babylon, and it looks like God's people are done. They're gonna be assimilated, and they're just gonna disappear, but, but God knows the plans that he has planned for his people, and it's a plan of wholeness. It's a plan of being completed. It's a plan of being of, of our well-being. See, God's promise will never fail. God is the same yesterday. God is the same today. God will be the same forever and ever. And he is our God of peace. And so shalom, the God of peace, it's an expression that this little Hebrew church would be very familiar with. They understand this word. And it's a reference that they need to hear. They need to hear that we have a God of peace because they're undergoing persecution and things are going to get even even tougher. And what he's saying is we have this God of peace in the no matter what. And no matter what life throws at you, and no matter how hard you are kicked, no matter how low that you have been taken, our God is a God that puts things back together again. He is there for your well-being. He is there to make you whole. And this is what the church needs to hear. He is healer. He is a healer, both on the inside and on the outside. His business is a business of putting together brokenness. That's our God. May the God of peace. You see, there is absolutely no storm in this world that can take place that can ever sink you because we have our God, a God of peace. Jesus in the boat stood and told the storm, be quiet, and it stopped. This is the power of the shalom of God. We look at what Jesus writes, or Jesus said in John 14, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Those are red letter words right there, right right out of the mouth of Christ. See, when troubles come, and they will come, we all can contest to that, they will come, do not let your heart be troubled because the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ is ours. It's in our possession. It's been given to us. It is the promise for all of God's children, the shalom of God. It's his plan for each and every one of us, our well-being. And I know that sometimes that's very difficult to kind of get in our brains because you know what? Life happens And sometimes we do get fearful and sometimes we do get discouraged and sometimes it just doesn't seem to make sense but the promise is there and we can push into that promise, we can um, claim that promise for ourselves and we can rest in it that his plan for us is peace, his shalom. Now we have to remember that as he said here, He doesn't give peace as the world gives. Because you see, sometimes in our world, what we consider peaceful is seriously the absence of anything bad happening. And we're on the mountaintop and it's just rainbows and glitter all the time. And unicorns are flying through the air on cotton candy clouds with lollipops. Unfortunately, that's not life. That's not life. And if that's what the world gives then it's giving us something that is unrealistic. But see, Jesus gives peace in a way that calms the heart in the midst of the storm, in the throes of life, in the conflicts, in the challenges, in the hardships. We can have peace, knowing that our God is with us. Our Savior is with us. Now may the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenants, eternal covenants. See, those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, we have an unbreakable, it's unshakable, it's indestructible covenants that we have entered into. Nothing can take it away from us. Nothing can shake it we stand firm in the covenant of Jesus Christ the writer of hebrews back in chapter 8 he quotes jeremiah and he said and he said god says i'm going to put my law into their minds i'm going to write it on their hearts i am going to be their god and they us are going to be my people these are the words of god and so this is the covenant it's a transformational covenant it's not just us trying to behave ourselves into God's good graces. It's the power of the Holy Spirit transforming us so that we live into the rhythms that God has called us to. The law will be written on our hearts. It will be, it'll be in our brains. It won't be something that we have to think about or worry about or try to live into the expectation. It's part of us. This is the covenant through Jesus Christ, and it's eternal. Eternal is just a really cool word for forever. It's a Christian word. We say, you know, I, I said, well, we have a forever covenant. It, it doesn't have the, quite the same, but when I say, it's an eternal covenant, see, that just feels a little better, doesn't it? Eternal. This is who God is. And it's eternal. Why? Because it is eternal. Based upon, its foundation is on, it's been established on the blood of Jesus Christ. The once and for all sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sin. Once and for all sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sin. And we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in each and every follower of Jesus that brings to us power to live for the kingdom of God in this world, in this life. Beyond what we can ever Beyond what we use, what's what's the percentage of how much brain do we actually use? Does anybody know? It's it's a small amount. See, we don't even know how much percentage. I mean, it's it's little. Was it 10%? 10%? I'm going to say in the church, we even use less Holy Spirit. We use less. We have been given this amazing power through this new eternal covenants. To live for the glory of God. Each and every one of us have the same spirit that's living in us that rose Jesus from the dead. What? The same spirit that did the miracles that Jesus did. Huh? The promise of a covenant, eternal. It fulfilled, it replaced the old, and now we have the new. It's a no matter what covenant no matter what you're feeling, no matter how you've stumbled, no matter if you're up or you're down, it's a lasting forever covenant. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, Jesus, the risen shepherd, he has overcome death so that we may live once and for all. In, in the, the New Testament, especially, we have this very common theme that Jesus takes upon himself. He is the shepherd and we are the sheep. Every last one of us is considered the sheep. Now, if you've ever spent any time reading about sheep, especially in the biblical context, um, you will come to an instant awareness that sheep are probably one of the most Unintelligent animals, there are. Uh, they are defenseless. Um, they just get eaten because lamb is awesome. I'm, I digress. Um, they're, as one writer said, they're annoyingly insensitive and they're very, very slow to understand anything. Now, does that sound like someone you may know? Do not look to the left or right. Jesus himself has taken this mantle, this this idea of he is our shepherd and he paints this beautiful picture of it that we follow a good shepherd, that he knows that we are defenseless against the throes of our enemy, but yet in him we have power. The shepherd lays down his life for the sheep willingly lays down his life because he has compassion and love and caring for his sheep. That's what Jesus has for us, his people. He loves us. He has compassion upon us. He protects us. There's a story in Mark chapter six. Jesus sends out, the boys, and, and they do all this kind of cool ministry and they all come back and, and they're hungry and they're tired and they haven't, the story says they haven't gotten anything to eat yet. So Jesus says, you know, let's, let's bail on all these people. Let's jump in the boat. We'll head over to you know, Joe's Bar and Grill. We'll grab a bite to eat. And all the people on the land are like, whoa, they're going to Joe's Bar and Grill. Let's head over there. And, and of course, I'm, I'm using my version of the story. And uh, so they follow around the land and Jesus gets there. And now remember, he just wants to unwind a little bit and he wants to talk to the boys See how things went. And the story says he gets out of the boat and he looks around at the crowd who is there and it says he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And then he ministers to them. Again, in John chapter 10, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me and I lay down my life for them. This is our shepherd. And through his death and resurrection, now he is not only the good shepherd, he is the great shepherd brought back to life to protect us, to love us, to to watch over us. And now he is seated at the right hand of the Father. So not only is he our high priest. He is also the shepherd, divine, sacred, powerful, watching over his church. He lives so that we could live and have life, life in abundance, life here, now, today, tomorrow, for the rest of your earthly life, and then eternal life because of the eternal covenant that we have entered into. He protects, and as we live our lives, we can be bringing him glory, and that's what I've been saying over these past few weeks, that it matters the way we live our lives. It matters for the kingdom, for his glory. So so let's just kind of think about this for a second. We have have Jesus. We have this eternal covenant that we are part of. Nothing is going to take it away from us. We have Jesus, our God of peace, shalom, wholeness, well-being, putting us back together. We have our great shepherd watching over us. your biggest spiritual desire is not too big for Jesus. That thing that you want for the kingdom, that bold thing that you just want to give it a try, that thing that just seems out of your capacity or physical ability to, to achieve or to involve yourself in, it's not too big for Jesus, for the shepherd. You can live your faith out loud. It's not too big. The goals that we have aren't too big. The life that we long to live is within our grasp because of Christ and Christ alone. This is the security that we have That we may live in the shalom of God, confident in in his eternal covenant, in the power and the protection of our great shepherd. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. May God equip you. May he perfect in you. May he make it good. May he mend what needs to be mended in you to equip you. When Ethan was about, Ethan, my son, when he was about five or six, I decided that it was time to start taking him fishing. And I learned very quickly that when you take a five or six-year-old fishing, that you as the adult don't get to do much fishing, and so what I found my job was is to was to uh, to get the hook out of the tree and out of the bushes, uh, to continually tie on a new hook and swivel because it got snagged at the bottom, and he and he and he would snap it, and and there wasn't a lot of fishing going on. But then there's this thing that happens, and I think it only happens to new fishermen or fisher women, and and it's this 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 thing, and, and it seems when they cast, and, and scientifically, we don't know why this happens, and, and, and it doesn't make sense, but when the cast goes out, instead of the line gently coming off the reel and going through all of the eyes and throwing the bait out into the water, it all comes off at once, poof, and there's this thing at the reel, and they call it the bird's nest. It's horrible. And they don't know how it happens. And it only happens to new fishermen. And so, and, and for my son, love you, Ethan. For my son, a minimum of two times, no matter how long we were there, and this thing, zoom, poo, dad. Oh. And I would go and I would have to, sometimes it just cut your losses and you just cut it and you try and you try again. This is the picture that's being painted here. May God repair you. May God make things right in you. May God put back together those parts of your life that need putting back together so that you can live in abundance. May God make you whole. May God perfect you with everything that's that's good and excellent. May May the Lord remove the tangle on your reel so you can get back to fishing. Amen. That's what the what the writer wants us to understand: that God takes the bird nest and he straightens it out. He takes the hook out of the tree, he unsnags us from the bottom and he sets us on a right path. He equips us to live for the glory of his kingdom. And then he moves from equipping to empowering. So may he equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ. In the first chapter of Colossians, it speaks of, of Jesus creating everything, and he sustains everything, and he's put everything in its place, and, he, and he's just keeping it all together. Like, like Jesus right now keeps us together keeps our heart beating, our breath going, our eyes blinking. Everything that is happening to us right now is because Jesus is handling it and taking care of it. And as he spoke, we can do nothing apart from him. The creation doesn't exist outside of Christ, and it doesn't matter what people believe. This is the truth. Creation does not exist outside of Jesus. And now, what he's getting to here is this spiritual fruit that we can grow into, achieve in our lives. It's kind of from um, from John's Gospel, chapter fifteen, when Jesus said, "I am the vine, and you are the branches." And, and we are connected to that vine, and we bear fruit, spiritual fruit. We are in Christ. Over 160 time Paul, 60 times in Paul's letters, he uses this in Christ term. We are in Christ, Jesus. We are in Christ. We are part of him. We are grafted into him by this new eternal covenants. And when we are in Christ, the scripture tells us that the old is gone and the new has arrived. And we look good in the new, I'm telling you. I look good in the Look at, I pull, this shirt is not new. But just because I'm in Christ, I look good in it. And knowing, <laughs> you know I'm right. Knowing that truth, living into that truth, we are empowered to live a life that pleases him because of the spirit of God that lives within us. He empowers us, he sustains us, he directs us. In Christ, we all have purpose and passion to be used for the glory of God, for the glory of his kingdom, empowered by the spirit of the living God. And when we begin to live into that rhythm, when we begin to walk in that power we begin to live as we begin to live as our true selves who God has made us to be not made somebody else to be not trying to to walk in somebody else's shoes not trying to be who we are not when we understand who we are when we understand that you are in Christ, you begin to live differently. You begin to live into the callings and the passions that God has instilled in you at birth. And you live for the glory of the kingdom. And each and every follower of Christ has that in them right now, in this very, very moment. So before I go on, I'm gonna ask the worship team to come forward. Uh, we're gonna end this morning with, with a song. But we have this power given to us, blessed by Christ himself, by the Father, by the Spirit. The question is, do we really want that power? Do we wanna live that way? Do we want to live in this rhythm that is pleasing to God? Do we want to live into our true selves and who we are and who God has made each and every individual here to be? It's only a question that you can answer. Do you desire it? Is it something that you want?